the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Right Makes Might. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. And step into As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Welcome and thank you for joining us and happy 4th of July. May God bless the United States of America. I'm Richard Mendelow, and as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my charming wingman. Good morning, Richard, and everyone, and happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Friends, this show is about the intersection of our faith and the secular world. We've described this intersection as a battlefield because as we seek to bring God's truth and love to a world which prefers lies, the world strives to force its ungodliness on us. At the same time, this intersection is a place of compassion where through us, by our deeds and our words, Jesus can repair the hearts of those who have been wounded in the fight between good and evil. Let me repeat that. The place where our faith meets our days and the people in our days is a battlefield because as we strive to bring good, the world prefers evil. And yet it is at this intersection that we minister to those who struggle in darkness. And, and here's the important part. Which it is, battlefield or place of truth and healing, is up to us. Things look incredibly depressing on the news. Things look difficult and upsetting. But it is still up to us. This intersection can be like a firefight in a combat zone, or it can be a peaceful place where a man or woman submitted to Christ shines a loving light on those struggling beneath the devil's yoke. Today we continue in our three-part series devoted to this conflict, which part two I have entitled Engagements. In part one, we discussed our pre-conflict mindset, and we said that if we view our world looking for good in everything and looking at everyone as an individual rather than as part of a group, and if we ask questions and actually listen to the answers, we may bring peace to this intersection. We also said that since some conflict is inevitable, we must learn to navigate it in a way that makes us stronger for the challenge. One thing is for certain, if we handle this conflict poorly— this conflict which we know will happen, we risk destroying everything of value. So today we continue in the series by asking, how do we stand firm in our faith in a way that glorifies God and accomplishes his will? 
Before we begin today's conversation, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, as we look across the world you have made, we can feel joy or sadness. If we focus on the good, we feel joy and a sense of purpose, but often, Lord, it is easier to focus on the bad. Help us to fix our eyes on the good. Help us to concentrate on your plans for this broken world, for we know you are righteous and just, and that you will reward those who keep their eyes on you. In every interaction, help us to glorify your name. Help us to speak truth in love that others may know you. Shield us from evil and anger and help us to stand firm in our faith in every challenging opportunity. And Father, as we celebrate the birth of this great nation which you have blessed, help us to be courageous and kind, but also resolved. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Christine, part one, we said that we need each other. Scripture says we should go and make disciples of all nations, and you can't very well do that without talking to people. Jesus also said it's not the healthy who need a doctor. So we know that we will come into contact with people who need a doctor. Our weapon in this effort is Scripture. It's God's truth, the truth. And so today we're going to begin the show with the moment of truth. In every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. We do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it is always relevant, and that it never fails. Today, our moment of truth comes from Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, and it's a little bit of reading, but very important. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Friends, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Still, a couple things stand out to me about these verses. First... The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Second, this grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. In this present age, whatever that present age is, it's been dark before. It was dark during World War II. It was dark when the Israelites were in Babylon. And it certainly is dark today. And as we think about our opportunities with man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And if we trust the process, which we're going to talk about shortly, then this too will work out according to his plans. Finally, in regard to the scripture, Jesus wants to purify for himself a people that are his very own. All people, though we live in this present age, to purify for himself a people that are his very own. That is why this is so hard, because it's meant to be hard, and because people are not easy. People are not easy. Even God struggles with us. (laughs) You think? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, think about that for a second. We struggle with ourselves if we really think about that. How many times has he been ready to wash his hands of us? (laughs) I'm sure many. The difficulty for us is that at this intersection, we have an opportunity 
And if you think of nothing else, think of this opportunity. This opportunity belongs to God. And the enemy is always going to try and choose the time and place of combat. And they will always choose circumstances which are conducive to themselves. We can allow that because of the opportunity which has been so preciously bought for us. So we must be righteous, but not self-righteous. And holy, preferring what is godly. And we are meant to struggle because the struggle will purify us. It will refine us. So there's no point in disliking the circumstances. You melt metal at a high heat to get rid of bad qualities while hardening it. And the same is true for us. I told Christy the story about Officer Candidate School for me in Quantico, Virginia in 1987. A friend of mine smuggled chewing tobacco in, and you're not allowed to have it. It's contraband. And we were running out the barracks to formation, and he left this chewing tobacco on his bed. And I didn't want him to get in trouble, so I threw it in my locker, but I forgot to lock my locker. And so while we were gone, the drill instructors went through my locker, and they found this chewing tobacco. And so when we got back, there was a formation, and we're all standing at attention, and they hold up the chewing tobacco, and they say, whose is this? Well, I thought the other guy was going to raise his hand, but he didn't. So I had no choice but to step forward, even though it wasn't mine. But there was a pause in the middle. And so as far as they were concerned, I didn't want to tell the truth. And as far as Marine officers are concerned, integrity is everything. So they wanted to get rid of me. And they spent the next six weeks trying to get rid of me. I went from 185 pounds prepared for officer candidate school to 150 pounds in six weeks. But I made it through, and I'm stronger for it. So there's no point in us agonizing about the struggles of this world because we are his special people and he seeks to purify for himself a people who are his very own. So first and foremost, make friends with the process. Yeah, well, it sounds like you had to, I mean, if you didn't go along, you were going to go against it in that situation. And uh, I mean, if you went to officer candidate school, I would guess that you wanted to come out as an officer and if you didn't go through that purification process well would you would you be a colonel today do you think i don't think we can look back the bible tells us don't look back true true but the refinement process ridding us of undesired properties and encouraging in us his desired process first and foremost because our relationship with god is first and foremost the next thing is the circumstances whether the circumstances are of our own making or the devil's or Jesus-making, they can be used in this purifying process if we approach things with the right attitude. We must make friends with the process and engage fully. So right now, people are very angry, but we know that anger does not fulfill the righteousness of God. If we channel that anger into resolve, on the other hand, if we are resolved in our faith such that we stand firm and engage, then we can accomplish God's purpose. So as we lean into our faith, as we Think about the intersection of our faith and the world. And as we consider this amazing opportunity that we have, we must look to Jesus to understand how to navigate what we've called this critical terrain. I think people miss that it's an opportunity. It is an opportunity because the world is in darkness. As Christians, we stand at the edge of this land of light. And next to this land of light, across this border fence, is a land in darkness. And some people are in the heart of darkness, and you're not going to reach them. Right. But other people have been working and walking their way toward the light. They're seeking. They're seeking. And so on the other side of this fence, there's this person who could have been through all kinds of things, 
in their effort to get to this place where they're just across the fence from you and how you conduct yourself and what you stand for and the compassion you bring to that intersection is what might very well help them over the fence into the land of the light. That opportunity. That opportunity. So Jesus was very intentional about how he proceeded. You remember a couple of shows ago, we talked about the question when he asked the first two disciples, what do you want? Yeah, I'm well, still working with that one. <laughs> well, beautiful. It's huge. It's yep. a huge question. I said we it must then, think I say it now. It. Yeah, we must. Yeah. So at all times, at the very least, our desire should be to glorify God or at the very highest. So Jesus did this very carefully, sometimes by engaging and other times by avoiding conflict. For him, it was a matter of truth necessity and love. And he was also engaged in his father's business. Remember, he was incredibly intentional. So Mark chapter one, verse 37 and eight says, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So here's an example of how he avoided people so that he could do his father's business. That is why I have come. Shortly thereafter, Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, tells a story of how Jesus healed a man. He didn't just heal a man, he healed him on the Sabbath. And he didn't just heal him on the Sabbath, he healed him in the temple on the Sabbath. So make no mistake, he was not trying to avoid conflict. He actually chose this conflict to make his point. And after he achieved his goal in verse 7, it says, Jesus withdrew. So as we approach the opportunity to talk to this person who's in darkness, to engage with this person, we decide in our efforts to glorify God, will this be profitable? Can God's work be done here? Right. So if we come to, you know, what's making me think conflict, conflict doesn't always have to be something where there's anger and bad, right? It's just, it's something that is in a way different. And we see the opportunity there and we can come to it. Will this be profitable? I think that's a great way to look at it. Will it be profitable? Can this glorify God? And the question is, how do we know? So there's a word that Christians use quite often, discernment. And I was once wondering what discernment really is. I was praying about it. God, what is discernment? And he said to me, it's what you do, why you do it, when you do it, and how you do it. And man is concerned with one or two of those things some of the time, but God is concerned with all of them all of the time. And so uh, an example that I, I think about is you pull up at a traffic light and there's a homeless person standing at the corner there by your window. And you think, uh, what should I do? Well, I'm going to roll down my window and talk to him. He's a human being. I don't have to give him money, but I'll talk to him because he is a human being, a child of God. Why do I want to talk to him? Because He matters to me, and I want him to know he matters to me. When should I do it? Well, right now, because the opportunity is presented right now. And then you ask, how do I do it? Well, for me, I don't have to give him money, but I can roll down the window and smile and shake his hand and be concerned for my fellow human being. So discernment, what we do, why we do it, check your intentions and your motivations. Sometimes the things we do are selfish. When is the right time? For example, Jesus chose the Sabbath. Well, for Jesus. <laughs> that uh, was intentional. <laughs> he was uh, uh, Jesus, of yeah, course. And then how do you do it? Because 
Sometimes you give the person money in this example, or maybe you take them uh, to go eat with you, and maybe that's what God really wants. But in all of these things, as we try and understand what Jesus would do, the first thing for me is to pray. So Christy and I were talking about immediate action drills. In the Marines and in the airlines, you have lots of immediate action drills. It's a scripted way of behavior when you are going to encounter something, uh, some sort of threat. So in combat, we're in a formation and we say, okay, if the enemy's over there, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pivot. We're going to do this. We're going to set up a base of fire here and here. We can do that in our personal lives, in these situations where we say, okay, the situation is unfolding. What's step one? Pray about it. Right. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Think about what is the right thing to do. When is the right time to do it? Why do I think this is right or wrong? And how should I do it? I guess we miss the first step often. We miss the first step often, but in that prayer, I think it's important. Yes. You said something the other day that was so interesting to me. You said that Jesus was so attached to his father and his father's truth that he was not unnaturally attached to the outcome of things. Right. He just trusted the process. Yeah, he. I, I think the way that f- for me I saw it is he knows the truth so much that he can be detached because he knows the truth. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. We can't take things personally. There's a great book called The Four Agreements right. by a fellow named Ruiz. And one of the four agreements is don't take anything personally. What people do says more about them than it does about you. But I think a lot of times the devil tries to make us take things personally. So as we decide to engage, uh, we have to decide, uh, am I attached to this? How so? Is it a healthy attachment where I want to see this person benefited? Or is it an unhealthy attachment where I feel driven by ego or pride or this person has told me to do something? And there are a lot of forces which push us around on the battlefield, and we have to try and make sure that they are... Uh, focused on Jesus. To go back to Jesus, the truth, Jesus, there was no doubt. Right. Because he knew the truth. He trusted the process. He trusted trusted his father. Right. So if we decide to engage, there are some things that we can do to prejudice the engagement towards success. First and foremost, through prayer, we come from a place of peace and goodwill with the right attachment. Governed by scripture, we must be doers of the word and not just hearers. We must practice what we preach. We must know the word if we're to do it. We must do the things that help us to show up well, like being rested, eating healthily, exercising, and not being so busy that we can't be intentional in this interaction. Uh, Amen to that. (laughs) And then we can practice. We can practice our immediate action drills because it can be complicated. So in everything, even if you sit down in a restaurant and you're trying to decide what to eat, pray about it. Be in the habit of praying first and foremost. And lastly, don't be afraid to walk away. Jesus often walked away. So the Bible says to love your neighbor. It's not about marshmallows and hot chocolates. It's about his situation grieving you, you caring enough to engage him, looking him in the eye, extending compassion, and creating an opportunity for understanding. I told uh, Christy recently a story. I was in a McDonald's, and there was a kid listening to loud music. And I turned around and asked him to put his headphones on, and he got up and he swore at me, And he walked out of the restaurant and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I got up and I walked out of the restaurant and people who were watching thought maybe I was going to be ugly or something. And I told the kid, wait, and he turned around and I looked at him and I said, are you okay? Because that boy did not look okay to me. 
And he stopped and he said, I'm sorry I was so rude to you. And I just had this overwhelming feeling like this guy needed a hug. And I said to him, can I hug you? And that kid hugged me like he hadn't known the hug of a father. And I just felt that that's what he needed. And we have that opportunity when we come at things from the right place. I would guess a lot of people need a hug. These are hard times. Uh, Friends, as we wrap up in honor of July 4th, our quote of the day comes from Thomas Paine. Remember, he wrote the pamphlet Common Sense, which spurred Americans toward revolution. He said, what we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Christians in America have the ordained opportunity to stand up for God in every area of activity and conduct. We've had it too easy for too long. As was true for the founding fathers is now true for us. It is about individual decisions, how we want to live, and how we act on those decisions. Each day we must decide who will shape us, masked hordes in the street, the media, politicians, and special interests, or Jesus. Things in this nation are certainly complicated, and they have become more so because in the early attentions of the devil, Christians did not stand firm in faith. True. When special interests attacked the Judeo-Christian fabric of this nation beginning in the 1960s, we were weak. When prayer was taken from public schools paid for by our tax dollars, we were silent. When the abomination of abortion was legalized in 1973, we were without words. More recently, when the Bible was removed from our interpretation of the Constitution, we were mute. And when the Ten Commandments were sandblasted from public buildings, we barely mumbled. And yet each of these things was an affront to God and the nation, which celebrates its independence today by His grace. As a result, we live in the reality which we have permitted. Without a doubt, we now know for certain that what we permit, we promote. This should shape us going forward. As you've heard me say many times, our faith is not what we do for an hour on Sunday. It should govern our lives. As we look around the world today, it's reasonable to be angry. I understand completely. I didn't become a Marine because I like bullies and liars. Everything about the current circumstances in this nation and the world offends my values, and more importantly, I believe God's values. Still, we must be careful of anger. The world wants us to be angry. Human anger does not fulfill the righteousness of God. We cannot play into the enemy's hands. The question we must answer in every moment of every day is, what will we do with this righteous anger? Will it embolden us and motivate us to walk courageously in our faith as Jesus showed us? Or will we continue to watch as spectators? Will it compel us to stand firm and to guard jealously the opportunity we have to shine God's light on all men? Or will we keep waiting for someone else to work it out? Make no mistake, what we choose to do with this anger will determine our future and the future of our children. If we allow this anger to shape us negatively, to shape hateful perspectives, to shape a bitter mood in our homes, and to cause us to model paranoid attitudes for our children, then the world will have changed us in the classroom of conflict, rather than us shining a bright light into the darkness, we will have become the darkness. If, on the other hand, we are resolved to walk as Christ in everything we do, we pray, we think about discernment, we engage or walk away all according to the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives, if we are intentional in our mindset, well, then things will be different. If we are intentional in our mindset before conflict, choosing to look for the good in people and to see them as individuals with tremendous potential for good, then we're off to the right start. If we're discerning as conflict arises, asking what does Scripture say or what would glorify God, then we will choose to engage in the right battles and avoid the useless ones. 
If our attachment to the issues is according to faith and not ego or pride, then we will walk away from the ambushes of the devil's schemes more easily. And finally, as we listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak into our motivations and intentions in those battles, if we ask, what is right? And when is the right time? And why do I want to do this? And how should I do this? Then in our discernment, we may accomplish the righteousness of God. Speaking for myself, I refuse to be angry. I refuse to allow this broken world to shape me. I refuse to allow those who are lost to give me directions. I refuse to allow elements whose values I don't respect to shape me, my house, and my potential for good. Instead, with God's help at the intersection of my faith and the world, I will change the world. And that is Courageous Christianity. Friends, please join us next week for part three in our series on conflict as we expand on the ways we can shape the world around us. Thanks for joining Christy and me today. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. If you'd like to know more about Courageous Christianity, please read my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. It's available on the Kindle app and in paperback at rightmakesmight.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless and semper fi.